Welcome to Act Pod, a podcast show that sheds light on the stories and impact of the social sector. The show is proudly powered by Aspire Coronation Trust Foundation. Let's begin the change. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another interesting episode of Act Pod, Our Story, Our Continent. My name is Tolu Ojeshino, and I'm so excited to be here to take us through a conversation around sustainability. We're calling it Sustainability 101 and how it affects African communities. And I'm here today with an expert on this topic in person of Miss Ini Abimbola, who is the CEO of the Thistle Group. She's going to take us through what sustainability means, the concepts, the principles, and how it affects African communities and what we can do to make it work. Thank you so much, Miss Abimbola, for joining us today. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and well done to ACT Foundation. Thank you. So we'll just go right into the conversation and we'll start with some introductions. So just tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into your work in sustainability. Okay, my name is Inia Bimbola and um, some 13, 14 years ago, I started my consulting firm called Thesa Praxis Consulting. We first started as a CSR management consulting company and the whole idea was to have deeper conversations around corporate social responsibility and how differently it can be done away from how companies were doing it because then organizations then were doing it just as um, philanthropy and charity. And um, so about that time, I had gone to Stanford Mm -hmm. and... um, um, done some work in Stanford and had the opportunity to be able to meet some organizations within the Silicon Valley and San Francisco. And one of the things that stood out for me was the way and manner that they did their CSR. It was different from just philanthropy and charity. It was more embedded in the identity of the business and the DNA of the business, which meant that they were very concerned around their both their internal and external mm-hmm. stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it was more than just giving away. It was more of wanting to ensure there was a return on investment, which was unnecessarily cash back to the yeah. company. So that kind of, you know, spurred my interest to, to try and find out more. Anyway, I came back to Nigeria and thought, you know, this was a good way to start talking about, you know, to the to the business community around how to do CSR differently because then it can impact our society differently. We can get more traction and organizations can get return on investment on what they invest in corporate social responsibility. And then, of course, to to move the needle on the social part of it to Mm -hmm. say, how do we begin to look at this from a more sustainable point of view? And and that's where the return on investment will come. So when you're looking at CSR as an investment Mm -hmm. and then being able to ensure that you also have something coming back to the the organization was an uphill task. A lot of people didn't think that, you know, there was any need for us mm-hmm. to make any extra investments we do this when we make profit and even when we make profit we do it because it is nice to do we want to really look mm-hmm. good and most csr then we're really focused on christmas time you know what i mean and um, so buy the rice and mm-hmm. all of that and all of that so trying to have that conversation was difficult mm-hmm. so about the time also the cbn decided to start i mean then i think the banking the, the banking sector was really going through a hard time mm-hmm. And uh, CBN decided to begin to talk about, you know, financial sustainability for the banks. And one of the things they, you know, the the the, the CBN governor at that time, SLS, um, did was to begin to talk to IFC to put together what we know as the sustainable banking principles. 
And so, you know, everybody just like, oh, there's one lady that has been shouting about this thing. And, you know, so that's how I got on board to work with IFC to contextualize it to the Nigerian market to mm -hmm. say, how do we see this differently? If we're looking at the sustainability of our business operations, the sustainability of our business activities, mm -hmm. how will we contextualize it? So, for instance, when you talk about energy saving, we run generators yeah. in Nigeria. So how seven. do you begin to talk about sustainability in the light of energy? saving so things like that contextualize it mm -hmm. within the nigerian market so that was how you know it became something that you know we really now got involved working with some of the banks and then other organizations began to take notice of that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we're now able to sell more of the conversations around needs assessment before you do your, your CSR. Mm -hmm. um, and then impact assessment to see how well did we do? What was the trajectory of change? Mm -hmm. um, if we are feeding 10 people, how long are we going to keep feeding them? So, you know, just to make organizations begin to think about their CSR in a much more Strategic productive way. way. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting to hear, like, the trajectory. Because right Right now, sustainability is, is a buzzword. A lot of people are Absolutely. interested in it. But Absolutely. it's interesting to see where it came from Absolutely. and how we got Absolutely. into this point. Um, so I think it would just be helpful for us to learn a bit more about, you know, what it really means. We know that there are three pillars, you know, the environmental pillars, um, social and then governance. So can you just take us through a bit on what that means and how businesses can kind of, you know, engage on those three areas? Okay, so typically for me, I like to, when I talk to small businesses or not-for-profits or even any business generally, I like to define sustainability as the ability of a business to succeed, thrive in, in a changing competitive environment. Because you can be, you can be around for a long time and not be competitive. Yeah. And so then you are not sustainable because sustainability is about being competitive over a period of time. That means your cash flows are moving. Your business is also thriving and succeeding, innovating as, you know, the environment changes and all of that. And then we can look at it, you know, on the different platforms. So whether it's economic, social and governance, um, so these days we are now talking about ESG, which mm -hmm. is something else, uh, you know, entirely, but also at the heart of, 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 of sustainability as well. So when we look at the economic part, for most businesses, we're looking at the financial part of it. And so organizational sustainability will first of all thrive when there's financial sustainability. Mm -hmm. And that's why we say for an organization to be sustainable over a period of time, um, that means that your cash flow is working. Your yeah. business is actually existing um, in terms of being competitive in the marketplace mm -hmm. and you're also thriving at the same time and that's what will build organizational sustainability so um, for most businesses it will mean in different ways could easily mean how do you ensure for instance that in ensuring your economic stand your economic pillar mm -hmm. stands that you're looking at different ways of driving income to yeah. your business so whether it's income sources or income types because we can have income sources and we can have income, income types, types. Yeah. Um, driving that, ensuring mm -hmm. that you're also competitive. And when we talk about competitive, it means that um, you are recognized in the marketplace. You still have customers there you know, calling you or seeking for your business mm -hmm. and things like that. So I typically will give, you know, um, the story of NASCO. Okay. 
for instance, there was a time that, you know, when we were growing up, we used to hear this. I love that song. I never forget it. Nasco Biscuit, King of Biscuits. I yeah, I know you people can't <laughs> know it. So we grew up, you know, listening Nasco. to that because mm-hmm. that was a Nigerian indigenous business yeah. that we knew was thriving at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, making this very nice malted biscuits that were imported standard and all of that. But after a period of time, they didn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the business fell apart. Cash flow wasn't working. Distribution channels were not flowing, you know, and, and so the business kind of flundered. Mm-hmm. And after a while, it came back. So you have the NASCO conflicts and, and all of yeah. that. And even at that, it's struggling. So we use that as a case study to say, when we talk about the sustainability of a business, to say, over a period of time, for a business that is sustainable, you're succeeding and thriving in a dynamic, competitive environment. Yeah. Now, for the social pillar, we also look at how are you accepted within the society? What is your social license to operate? Um, how do the people around where you are situated as a business see you, recognize you? And what is your reputation in the marketplace? Um, and then if we bring that internally, will be how, what kind of, what's the diversity of your staff um, within the organization? Mm-hmm. What is the what are the benefits, you know, that staff? What is the attrition rate within the, the organization? Mm-hmm. Are people leaving and going and coming and going and coming? Are you changing staff, you know, every mm-hmm. day and things like that? So those will be the social aspects, the well-being of, you know, the employees, um, the well-being of your general stakeholders, mm-hmm. so your suppliers, you know, um, your vendors, your everybody that has your, your, your shareholders, if it's a for-profit organization, and your company. Competitors, how do they perceive you in the marketplace? For governance, we'll be looking at the transparency and accountability of the business itself. Um, who are the people directing the affairs of the business? Are there conflicts of interest mm-hmm. um, in that place? So if you look at all of this, you, you now see that each one of the pillars is actually just looking at how um, um, organizations can succeed and, and be mm-hmm sustainable if there's any word like that or be around for a long time not just being around but also you know a very nice example of a sustainable business is coca-cola 110 years and we're still addicted to Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes, we are trying to beat the addiction, yes. but we are. <laughs> we are think I feel like I'm in a master class because yeah. it makes <laughs> makes perfect sense, you know, understanding that these three pillars ultimately yeah. contribute to the growth of the organization. Mm-hmm. So organizations need to take it seriously. And I think that just kind of leads me to, you know, how that then impacts communities in Nigeria and across Africa. Mm-hmm. How does sustainability, how does an organization taking sustainability seriously then result into, you know, positive mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. or negative mm-hmm. impacts mm-hmm. for African communities and Nigerian mm-hmm. communities. I think we're seeing more and more of it now. Mm-hmm. There's a huge demand mm-hmm. and that has been brought about by COVID-19 and sure. then, of course, the Russia-Ukraine war. Now, with COVID-19, we saw how it was easy um, for something that we didn't expect. Yeah. So I typically would say to boards when I speak with the boards of organization that um, for large organizations, for multinationals, you have what you call your enterprise management risk system. Mm-hmm. Now, no matter how fantastic that was, nobody ever prepared for the risk of COVID-19. Yeah. And so that changed the, uh, the, the total 
mood and way that businesses, you know, operate. Because mm-hmm. then all of us had to learn how to use Zoom. There was something called Zoom. We yeah. had to begin to think about, you know, setting up remote work, work. systems mm-hmm. and tools and, you know, initiating our people and all of that. Now, for very innovative organizations, before the onset of COVID-19, we had already started hearing about hybrid work yeah. environments. Even though a lot of us didn't take it seriously. seriously yes. I remember that, you know, my team at that time had insisted, you know, that we have a hybrid, a remote work um, policy. And I'm like, what on earth is that <laughs> going to happen now? When? But, you know, because they were young, you know, innovative, and they insisted we had to have that policy. And it was funny that a couple of months later, we now had to shut down for about four months. Now, what that did to businesses was testing the sustainability of mm-hmm. businesses. A lot of businesses shut down. Yes, A lot true. of businesses that thrive on 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 daily, daily income, income had to pack up because then our health systems were affected because mm-hmm. then we saw how vulnerable our health yeah. systems were. Of yeah, course, we true. had to set up the the what do they call it? pandemic, whatever you know the the the, the, the isolation yes, centers, isolation centers yes. and all of that. And organizations running health skelter, no matter how rich you were, you couldn't fly because the airspaces were shut down. Uh And then the, 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 the vulnerability of our health sector was put in our face. But then that's one example of what sustainability is and what sustainability is not, because we did not even take cognizance of how we could have reworked our healthcare sector. And now we've gone back to the same thing that we are. So at the end of the day, our health sector is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So for organizations, it, it, there's no way that you as a business, you impact society and society impacts you. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to ensure that whatever it is that you're doing has a ripple effect on society. I think that the mental health of a lot of employees suffered during that period. A lot of organizations have never had to have conversations around well-being policy, you know. So this is is an example of how that, you know, impact goes both ways, both on society and all of that. It became so bad that even going to the markets to buy things, they weren't markets. Markets were not allowed to open and we were buying food stuff from stores Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so over a period of time, we saw, you know, society really disintegrate because then people really needed to survive on on the palliatives that, you know, that that, that were being given and all of that. So sustainability, as long as a business is takes cognizance of the impact of his activities on society. Mm -hmm. There is no way that it will not see how much it impacts society. So um, it depends on how... what kind of business you are, whether you're a not-for-profit mm-hmm. or a for-profit, whichever sector you are, there are certain things that your your ability to survive is dependent on the social license to operate. And yeah. so thinking about that consistently is what will make you understand the impact that you have on society and that society has on okay. you as well. Very, very true. And I think speaking of non-profits, because, you know, as Axe Foundation, that's mm-hmm. our primary, mm-hmm. you know, area mm-hmm. and our primary sector. What specifically can non-profits do you know, to imbibe sustainability in their daily operations? I think one of the things that I always um, worry about um, with not-for-profits, and I say this all the time, so I say to people that I've been in the not-for-profit sector for over 15 years Mm -hmm. and seen how the sector has grown, has innovated, but there's still a lot of issues with the sector, and that's why the sector isn't growing in a country like Nigeria. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things is not thinking about your not-for-profit as a business. It is a not-for-profit, but you put on the thinking cap of a business. And so the first thing that comes to your mind is, how do we survive without being fed? Mm. Because being fed is your grants, it's your support. So what is it that you have? What are the skills? What are the... What do you bring on board? Why do you exist? Mm -hmm. So I say to them that the first thing is to see an internal gaps gaps assessment Assessment. and a needs assessment internally to say, why do we exist? Who needs us? Mm -hmm. If we were not to exist, who will look for us? And so once you're able to determine that, Mm -hmm. then you determine... If we were not to get any grants, will we exist? Because then it takes you back to the reason why you started the not-for-profit, for instance. So I'll give you an example off the top of my head. Um, so because I know that a lot of not-for-profits start as a desire or a pain passion. point or a passion for somebody. So there's a not-for-profit that I've always wanted to do, and that would be a prostate cancer. Mm. Because I've had you know men around me that have been diagnosed or been treated with prostate cancer. Mm. And so the first thing for me would be, this is the reason why we want to exist, but how will we exist? Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have any funding, how, how will we, we exist? How will mm-hmm. we function? I think that that is the sustainability part for a lot of businesses. Yeah. I remember some time ago when, you know, we we're looking through grant applications for Act Foundation, I think a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was always very interesting for me to read the sustainability um, portion, a portion of, the of, of the applications. And sometimes I, I actually want to slap people through the <laughs> paper like, really, you're not thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this person says, oh, um, when the grant stop, what would you do? Oh, we'll hand it over to the community which community the people that need you or what would they do with it you know so the ability to think outside the box and to innovate and again like i said covid19 has shown us so many ways that we can innovate and if you look at it from the point of view of the sdgs the main goals of the sdgs economic growth social inclusion and environmental sustainability and so if only you look at it from that point of view then you say if if we exist and think of ourselves as a business For every time that we are around, Mm -hmm. we're also thinking what innovative ways can we ensure that if grants were to stop today, this organization will continue to go and will be, what's the word now, competitive. Because most times when not-for-profits hear the word competitive, they're thinking, oh, it's about money. Mm -hmm. No. How do you stay relevant? How do you stay needed Mm -hmm. to the point that you are sought after? Because of the work that you've done, the trajectory of the work that you've done, the, 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 you can show that you are needed. Because if you're needed, that's when you also create a need within the society that yeah. you operate. So take, for instance, um, you're an organization that gives, you are funded to give um, 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 eyeglasses, for mm-hmm. instance. How do you create products and services that, within the community, when you're unable to give free eyeglasses, say, oh, this month we have 100 eyeglasses, and once we're done, you will need to pay for it. How do you sell the service in such a way that the people in the community are willing to pay for that service mm-hmm. because they know that they need it? What other things do you add to that? So these are some of the areas that organizations, because with a, not, a lot of not-for-profits, it's really always financial. Yeah. But they think about the money without thinking about 
the fact that mm-hmm. money can come to you if you create the opportunity for it and to come and um, create value for it. So many things you could do. Organizations are looking for wellness opportunities. Um, how do you put that, for instance, to say we're not for profit? So instead of paying, yes, we know that you have an HMO. I'm, why am I giving free consulting? <laughs> yeah, so Listen, that, yeah. Free consulting, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think for me that organizations really need to think, and, yeah. and there are so many opportunities. Um, and you talk to these business organizations and say, yes, you have an HMO, um, but Perhaps if not for your high-ranking management staff, what about your lower reader, your drivers, your cleaners, and all of that? We can work with you um, for half the price you pay the HMO to ensure that um, all your all your all your lower-rung staff, your support staff, um, do have their eye checks. Mm-hmm. Those that need their glasses get their glasses. If you get three, four, five of that. You are in business. Mm-hmm. You are sustained. And then you're still going to be doing the not-for-profit part and the work that you set out to do. And at the same time, growing a trajectory of change. Because one of the things that not-for-profits don't think about is making sure that they have a bucket full of stories of what they've done. Because that's what will attract even exactly. funding beyond the grants. This is very, very true. And I know a lot of non-profits struggle with this because, you know, the, the passion is there and you want to do good work and impact society positively. And they're kind of waiting for someone to recognize that and then mm-hmm. give you the funding. But, you know, the point you've made about really thinking about what value do you bring outside, you know, what can you do that would make people look for you and even mm-hmm. give you funding? I think a lot of our listeners that are listening to this should be able to pick up, you know, some tips from this. So thank you for the free consulting <laughs> again. And then maybe let's just talk a bit about, you know, the environment, especially in Nigeria, and whether it enables, you know, sustainability. What, you know, government policies exist mm-hmm. around sustainability. Are there any that are kind of hampering or hindering, you know, sustainability to be implemented as <laughs> as it should? Are there some that are kind of helping, you know, <laughs> helping it, you know, get up to get to where it should be? Are there any encouraging? I think that the only one that we had, if mm. I remember, was in 2021, the climate change um, uh, yeah. framework that we signed up to. And that was really because, you know, of course, the, the, the need and the noise and the work mm-hmm. around that. But I think that for a lot of organizations in Nigeria, the SDGs is a clear platform um, because it practically feeds into every part of human life and human society. So I think that, you know, um, sustainability, if you're looking at it from that point of view, so it whichever way you find yourself. So whether it's SDG 1, SDG 2, whether mm-hmm. it's education, whether it's poverty, whether it's healthcare. Um, last week I was talking to the board of a, a huge multinational and they are in the real estate sector. Mm-hmm. And one of the conversations was around, you know, how does the SDG, so of course, one of the SDGs providing affordable housing. housing, you know, so you find, I was like, oh really? I said, yes. And so the indicators is for you to find yourself. Yeah. When you say you want to provide provide social housing. What does that mm-hmm. mean? You need to be able to identify, for instance, if the society or the community within which you want to afford it can afford it. Yeah. And so breaking it down for them to say, if we look at the current economic situation, nobody can afford these yeah. houses that you're building. So you need to begin to rethink the solution yeah. for social housing that you're bringing to the marketplace. So it's the same thing. For not-for-profits, the, the, the policies that exist... 
is the SDGs, which we as Nigeria are signed up to and are committed to reporting on. And our government agency, the Office mm -hmm. of the um, Senior Special Advisor on the SDGs, reports on that mm -hmm. at the annual meetings. And so you need to find yourself. So whichever sector that you work in to see which of these indicators under this SDG um, applies to us and that can we use as a benchmark. Mm -hmm to say we've been able to achieve that. So if you're working with women and empowerment to bring them out of poverty, what exactly are you doing? Because for me, part of the problem I have with not-for-profit is change. Hmm. Tangible, quantifiable change. Not the number of beneficiaries. True. And that's why I like to use the theory of change. The theory of change would, would clearly ask you, from the beginning, who? Yeah. Why? How? How? Where? Do you understand what I mean? So at the end of the day, you are able to clearly show what it is that you've been able to achieve over mm -hmm. a period of time. And I think that that's, that's a, a, a wonderful policy, I would say, that we can use. Aside from that, if you're working in climate change, then of course you're working with you know, the climate change framework that was signed. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really... We don't have... It depends on the sector also that you're working. If you're working in environments, then you have NISREA, you have all of these government agencies mm. that you need I to ensure that you're course. working, a, a, you know, with mm -hmm. and understanding what they're doing, yeah. um, both at the state level and at the federal level. So I think okay. that's it. That's it. Okay, um, I think just to kind of, you know, wrap up the conversation, let's talk a bit about, you know, opportunities. What opportunities do we see for the continent around, you know, sustainability and even ESG where do you think we're heading to? Um, what can we do to get us there a bit faster mm. or get us there a bit more <laughs> efficiently? The opportunities are immense. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I am so excited, I mean, yesterday I was saying to somebody that I am so excited about the work that I do in sustainability. And, you know, now in the place of, you know, talking to boards of organizations around ESG. Now, ESG is the investment framework. It's a corporate governance investment framework. Yeah. And what ESG does is that organizations that apply ESG are attractive to investors, particularly after COVID-19. So what COVID-19 said to us was that if we had um, organizations that were conscious of their environmental impact, yeah. their social impact, and their governance impact. The, the 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 rate at which they were affected by COVID-19 and even the energy crisis of the um, Russia-Ukraine war right mm -hmm. now will not be as bad as That's it okay. is. So it is now buzzing. And, and, and the fantastic thing around is that it is almost in every sector. Um, I was so excited yesterday because I was trying to read up something on ESG for the healthcare sector. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled on the fact that there are actually investors who are investing in the fertility spa, um, um, a subsector of the healthcare sector. Interesting. And that was very interesting mm -hmm. for me. So, And I'm thinking, okay, so why isn't the Nigerian market already thinking about it? That there are investors, and all they're looking for is to say, what are your ESG framework? Are you investor-ready? What does ESG require of you? That you are conscious 
of, for example, environment. What are the emissions that you're spewing into the air? What are your carbon emissions? Are you calculating them? Um, um, what are your climate change? You know, are you conscious of climate change? Does it affect your business? So being able to identify what is material to your business, what is important, what has an either a positive or a negative impact yeah. on your business is what is material. And that's what ESG focuses on. On the social part, it's to begin to ask you questions around human rights within the organization. Do you have policies that guide around that? What is the working conditions mm -hmm. like? What, you know, those key issues that we honestly, that are, that are non-financial. Yeah. Diversity, inclusion. Exactly. Like so that. ESG focuses on the non-financial part. Mm -hmm. So before now, investors will look at what's your balance sheet? Yeah. How much money are you making? How much money have you made over a period of time? But now they're saying that we want an integrated report before that. we invest in yeah. you. In the governance part, it's saying, look, who sits on the board? How many women? How many men? They are mm -hmm. asking those questions. So... There are opportunities, even for the not-for-profit sector, there's a change now in talking about, you know, sustainability and saying the way it is going, it seems we will not be able to meet the SDG targets. So there's an acceleration. Mm -hmm. What needs to, to be, be done? done? And there's funding for that what needs to be done how are you innovating for it to be done i think that that's where the disconnect is for mm. us in this part of, of of nigeria so now we have a lot of tech yeah you know mm -hmm. flying all over the place a lot of not-for-profits are thinking is the tech yes there's money in tech but there's also money in poverty alleviation there's money in alternative sources of energy for the rural markets there's funding for environmental disaster risk management, mm -hmm. particularly in Nigeria where we're seeing a lot of flooding. Yeah. So the last flooding in Lokoja, so over 600,000 yes. people displaced. There's funding for resettlement. So where, but it has to be innovative mm -hmm. in terms of how are you resettling them? Um, what are you doing? Are you working with government? What is government doing? What do not-for-profits, what are not-for-profits able to do? So I think that the opportunities are immense. Um, again, one of my issues with not-for-profits is always waiting to be fed. Mm. Please go online and just dig and dig. The opportunities are there. Mm -hmm. And it just takes one organization to be able to attract yeah. that because we're talking about impact investing and okay. all of that. That's all part of it. So ESG funds are also part of impact That's investing, investing yeah. but they are particular around what it is that they're funding. It's not your regular funding mechanism that looks for profit. Yeah. Most of these are actually looking for a non-financial impact and recording against maybe any of these um, indices that are across the world, whether it's the SDGs, whether it's the equator principles and all of that. So I think that the opportunities are immense. You just need to look for what feeds into the sector that you play. And I think that's a great way to wrap up our, our session. The opportunities are immense. Do the work, do the research and look for what fits into the sector that you play. Thank you so much, Mr. Bimbola. I think this was an interesting conversation. Very Thank insightful. You for me. I personally learned a lot. And we hope you join us another time if we call on you. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you for listening. You. Until next time. Thank you for listening to ActPod. For inquiries and feedback, please reach us on 
actpod at actrustfoundation.org. Follow us on social media at actfoundation underscore on Instagram and Twitter at the Aspire Coronation Trust Foundation on Facebook. The show is proudly powered by Aspire Coronation Trust Foundation. ActPod, our story, our continent.